0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the JT Sports Podcast, aka JT Sports Live. If this is your first time tuning in, make sure that you guys go ahead, leave a like, and subscribe to the channel. We go live daily at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. On this episode, we're going to be talking about Jimmy Garoppolo's future with the Las Vegas Raiders. You know, the NFL season hasn't even started yet. And the Las Vegas Raiders are already in mid-season forms, taking L's. Jameer Gibbs, why he's going to explode in his rookie season with the Detroit Lions. There's a rookie wide receiver that New England Patriots fans are really excited about. And his name is Demario Douglas. We're going to be talking about why Patriots fans are thrilled about what he could do. And lastly, will Colorado make a bowl game year one under coach prime now if you haven't already make sure that you listen to the jt sports podcast available on all podcasting platforms wherever you get your podcast from you can find the jt sports podcast we're available on apple spotify google amazon wherever you get your podcast from you can find the jt sports podcast make sure that you go ahead rate us five stars share this episode of the podcast with your friends family members and acquaintances if you enjoy and let's get into it firstly i gotta check some things out first make sure everything's going good with the stream before we start off if everything's going good at the stream can we get a thumbs up can we get an all good can we get some 100 emojis going if everything looks good with the stream Um, You guys don't know how excited I am to finally be able to stream, man. I've been trying to stream for so many years and I just never really had the equipment to do so. So I'm really happy to be able to stream for you guys. Yep, everything's going good, man. So let's get into it. The NFL season hasn't even started yet and the Las Vegas Raiders are already in mid-season form. Taking L. So back in March, during free agency when the raiders signed jimmy garoppolo apparently the reason for why his introductory press conference was pushed back a little bit was because he didn't agree the terms with the raiders on the contract because he failed his physical and the reason why he failed his physical is because apparently the foot injury that he suffered late last season with the 49ers ended up not properly healing up right and then he ends up going to the Raiders. He doesn't pass his physical. And then the Raiders have to add a stipulation to the contract that allows them to cut Jimmy Garoppolo without paying him any money at all until he passes his physical and plays in the regular season game. And also due to this, it also pushed back his signing bonus. He was supposed to get a signing bonus of $11.25 million. They ended up making that part of his base salary for this year. So if he is clear to play and he does play in a regular season game for the Raiders this year, he will get that and plus his base salary. And this is really weird because everybody keeps trying to figure out what's going to be next for the Las Vegas Raiders at quarterback In From what Josh McDaniels has said, they're not too worried about this. They do expect him to be able to suit up for the regular season when the time rolls around. But the waiver is what really intrigues me. Because when you take a deep dive into the waiver and what he signed, they pretty much say that, hey, whatever happens after this is on you, not on us. So if you end up Having further injuries to this, or this ends up putting you in a situation where you may be disabled. That's on you. We hold no responsibility for this. And it's just really weird. I, as a matter of fact, I actually want to go show you guys this. So let's see. I actually want to show you guys this. We're not going to read it in full, but I think it's really interesting when you look at what the stipulations are for this waiver that jimmy garoppolo supposedly signed it's like really weird so okay so this is the waiver on the screen see if i can zoom in a little bit so you guys look at this is for number one it says this waiver and release is entered into the 17th of march 2023 the undersigned jimmy garoppolo player being a football player who desires to enter the national football league player contract with the las vegas raider acknowledges that in the absence of this waiver he would not pass the club's physical examination because of a pre-existing medial and middle i don't know how you pronounce that word and the fracture of the base of the second something in the player's left foot and that the club would not enter into an nfl player contract with player two the player has been informed that as a result of such condition player would be at an increased risk of further injury symptoms that will require surgery permanent disability, loss of motion, and any problems related to this left foot, including but not limited to further injury, instability, swelling, pain, injury to surrounding muscles and soft tissue, surgical management, arthritis, the need for treatment and disability. Player also understands that such condition has decreased his ability to play professional football and that continuing to play professional football may result and deterioration, aggravation or re-injury of the existing conditions, rendering player physically unable to perform the services that would be required of a player by NFL player contract. The player fully understands the possible consequence of playing professional football with the physical conditions set forth above. Nevertheless, player desires to continue to play professional football and hereby assumes all matters set forth in paragraph two above. Because this player desires to play professional football for the club in consideration of the club's willingness to accept players as a football player and his agent representatives and here and the signs hereby forever, for release and discharge the club club owners and partners causes of action including without limitation any claims arising under paragraphs 5 9 and 13 so just a bunch of other stuff but basically for jimmy garoppolo right him going forth playing with this injury It doesn't really look good for him long-term. You already know that Jimmy Garoppolo, a.k.a. Mr. Jimmy Fragile Luggage, Mr. Handle With Care Garoppolo, he has a really extensive past with injuries. He's been injured nearly every season that he started at the quarterback position for the San Francisco 49ers, and the Raiders just go ahead and say, you know what, we're going to move on from Derek Carr, and we're going to replace him with a quarterback That has an extensive injury history that isn't able to prove that he can consistently be available for a full season. Not only that, but we're also going to agree to sign you knowing that you're coming off a foot injury that potentially could end up coming back to haunt you in the near future. Like, this makes no sense. And this isn't all on Jimmy Garoppolo, okay? When he ended up going down with that injury late in the season and Brock purdy took over the 49ers physicians or their team doctors came out and said that he should have been able to come back within seven to eight weeks which would have been around the nfc championship game or potentially the super bowl but when the nfc championship came around there were reports coming out that kyle shanahan and jimmy garoppolo the relationship had deteriorated And they weren't really on good footing with each other. And at that point, we kind of already knew that Jimmy Garoppolo was probably going to be out of San Fran. Especially when you consider how the quarterback situation transpired in that NFC Championship game. And it's just really weird that the Las Vegas Raiders knowing that Jimmy Garoppolo's foot injury wasn't properly healed and that he was going to need surgery right after he signed, they would still go ahead and go through with this. And people keep saying, well, they had no other options. Their back was against the wall. Who else was out there? You mean to tell me that you could have had the opportunity to trade for the number one overall pick with the Chicago Bears? You could have gotten Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. Hell, even Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, And instead of going that route, you rather still go ahead and try to sign a guy who's dealing with a nagging injury? Like, in what world does that make any sense if you're the Las Vegas Raiders? And for all of the people out there who keep saying they have no other options, there are always better options when you're looking at a quarterback who's injury-prone and is dealing with a foot injury that hasn't properly healed. Like, the Las Vegas Raiders continue to show us why they're one of the worst ran franchises, not only in the NFL, but in sports in general. And then you got everybody speculating what's going to happen if Jimmy Garoppolo can't play this year, which I believe that he probably is going to be ready to play. I think the worst-case scenario is that the surgery doesn't go well, he's not recovering well, he's not able to perform, then they can cut him without paying him anything, and then potentially you can start Brian the Horrier or rookie QB out of Purdue, Aiden O'Connell. But people think that maybe Tom Brady can come out of retirement and play for the Raiders, even though he kind of is a owner of the Raiders so for him to be able to play and be an owner that would have to be approved by the other owners in the league and I don't really know if everybody's going to be on board with that it's kind of of a abuse of power in my opinion and even then even if Tom Brady is able to play this dude didn't really look all that great with the Temple Bay Buccaneers in the situation that he has with the Raiders if he was to be able to play wouldn't it be any better. You have Josh McDaniels, which, although Tom Brady knows his system, the team around him, the offensive line isn't the greatest. The wide receivers are pretty good, but he doesn't have a defense, and he's going to be in the division where he has to go against Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and Sean Payton. Like, I don't see how Tom Brady being a contingency plan, if Jimmy Garoppolo isn't able to play, works out in the Raiders' favor. There are fans out there who are a little bit excited about the idea of Tom Brady maybe starting at quarterback for Las Vegas this year. But if we're just being honest, all that would do would further push the Raiders downwards in terms of them being able to compete. And at this point, you look at Jimmy Garoppolo and his future, I don't really think he's not going to be able to play Judging by reports and what Josh McDaniels has been saying so far about this situation, they kind of already knew this, so they're kind of taking a safe approach to this. They don't want to rush him back too soon and then he further gets injured or something even worse happens. He reaggravates the injury, so they're taking their time with this. You would like to have him on the field right now during OTAs, but training camp is a couple of weeks away which normally takes place late July, early August. So even if Jimmy Garoppolo isn't able to get on the field, at least he knows the offense. Now, the downside is that you would like him to be available right now so he can get the chemistry and timing down packed with his receivers. But for the Raiders, they should be able to have a plan in place for when Jimmy Garoppolo, if he does return to the field, there should be a way to get the timing and chemistry down but this is just a really bad situation for the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, the season hasn't even started yet, and they're already taking else. Like, why the hell would you sign an injury-prone quarterback anyway to replace Derek Carr? Yeah, we knew Derek Carr wasn't good last year. It just wasn't a good fit with him being in Josh McDaniel's offense. But you mean to tell me you were going to move on from Derek Carr, and you didn't really have a— good plan in place to replace him, pretty much you signed Jimmy Garoppolo because you thought he was the best out there, and this guy wasn't even 100% when you signed him. This makes no sense, and this is the kind of bull crap that the Raiders organization has been doing for well over two decades. And even if Jimmy Garoppolo does play this year, I don't think he's really going to move the needle for the Raiders. I think, at best, they're probably a 6-7 win team and most Raiders fans kind of have already given up on the season. They're already ready to tank for Caleb Williams. And for Jimmy Garoppolo, man, this just isn't a good look when it comes to both sides of this. Some people question during his time with the 49ers if he was even taking his rehabilitation serious. Which kind of put them in a bind because you saw what happened at the NFC Championship game. They pretty much had no QB. They had to throw Josh Johnson out there. And then he got injured. He was supposed to be their emergency release QB. And then they had to put Brock Purdy back on the field with an injured elbow. He couldn't even throw the football. So, for the Raiders, man, I really don't understand why they will follow through with this. Knowing that Jimmy Garoppolo already has an extensive history of injuries plus the dude is already coming to you not fully healthy and then you want to add these addendums so if he does play he can get that 11.25 million added to his base salary for this year like it was a little bit smarter than half going through and you know adding some adjustments to the contract but overall man like this was a dumb decision By the Las Vegas Raiders. Like, I really don't know why they would just decide to go through with this in the first place. You could have gotten some better options out there at QB. You could have traded for a rookie QB, although they wouldn't have had known the system. But I'm pretty sure we can agree that most of us would be way more high on the Raiders if they had Bryce Young or CJ Stroud playing underneath center this year as opposed to Jimmy Garoppolo. This made no sense for the Las Vegas Raiders. And now, If you're a Raiders fan, you're kind of crossing your fingers that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be ready to come week one, like how a lot of people in the Raiders organization keep saying. But at this point, who can you really trust? Like, can you really trust anybody in this organization right now? Like... You thought that Jimmy Garoppolo was legitimately going to be your starting QB this year. He comes in, he's not fully healthy, he has to get surgery a couple of days after he signs, and we don't even know if this dude is still going to be the same player after that surgery. This is just a bad situation for the Raiders on all sides of the spectrum, and the season hasn't even started yet, and the Raiders are already in mid-season form, taking L's. They can't draft in the first round. They can't make good free agency signings. They can't build a championship caliber football team. They can't find a good head coach. It's just a complete mess right now up there in Vegas. But you know what, I say. You know what they say. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And for the Las Vegas Raiders come January around playoff time, they're going to be staying at home in Vegas watching the playoffs from their couch. The next thing I want to talk about is Jameer Gibbs. He's one of my favorite rookies coming into this season. He was drafted 12th overall by Detroit. And when Detroit came on the clock and some of the announcers were speculating who the pick could be, one of the analysts said that the Detroit Lions were looking to add more explosiveness on the offense. And as soon as I heard that, I was telling all my homeboys who I was watching the draft with, watch them draft Jameer Gibbs. And a couple of minutes later, they ended up taking Jameer Gibbs. And a lot of people really didn't understand this pick. They weren't really on board with it, but... I was talking with my guy, Luke G. If you guys didn't see the previous episode that me and Luke G did on the podcast together, go ahead and watch that very good episode. He said that he wouldn't be surprised if Detroit took a running back in the first round. And ideally, he said that he wouldn't be surprised if the pick was B. John Robinson. Now, we already know that the Detroit Lions ended up trading down, and they ended up getting more picks in the process, but drafting Jameer Gibbs I think was a fantastic get for the Detroit Lions this is somebody who is greatly going to elevate this offense he has elite speed acceleration he has fantastic hands and he's a great route runner for a running back this is somebody who you can line up at pretty much every position on the offensive side of the football with nearly every position not only can he play running back but you can line him in the slot Or you can put him out wide. He's that good of a route runner that he can run pretty good routes against defensive backs. He can create good separation against cornerbacks. And plus, this guy ran a 4-3-6 at the 40-yard dash at the combine. So you have to think about that elite speed. And when you think about their offensive coordinator, right, he was getting a lot of interviews for head coaching jobs. And he returns for another season in Detroit. And we can pretty much expect this to be his last year in Detroit because he's so good and so creative as an offensive mind that if Detroit ends up being as good as what a lot of people believe they will be, he probably is going to be a head coach sometime next year. When you think about his creativity and how he's able to make the most out of his personnel, he puts players in the right situations to succeed, I'm expecting Jameer Gibbs to explode year one in his rookie season with the Detroit Lions. This dude is going to be a beast on third down for the Detroit Lions whenever they get put in a bind. If you go back and you watch him at Alabama last year, him and Bryce Young pretty much carried Alabama's offense. It was either Bryce Young making a fantastic play or Jameer Gibbs making a big explosive run or having a big catch on third down to keep the chains moving for the tide last year. And, Going into the NFL, he's been getting a lot of comparisons to Alvin Kamara because him and Alvin Kamara have a really similar skill set. You know, Alvin Kamara's really good catching the ball out of the backfield. He also has elite acceleration. When Alvin Kamara turns the corner, he does really sacrifice a lot of speed. And then you have to think about this. When Jamison Williams comes back, you're going to have him... You're gonna have Jameer Gibbs. You're gonna have Armon Ross, St. Brown. You're gonna have a top five offensive line. Like this is going to be one of the best offenses in the NFL this season. And then also take this into account. You do have David Montgomery. So, David Montgomery and Gibbs are going to split a good amount of the carries. We already know that Jameer Gibbs probably isn't going to get much work on the goal line. He isn't really built to be a goal back. He probably isn't going to be in when they're asking... Um, him the block because he's not the greatest blocker as a matter of fact i think that's one of his weaknesses is that he's not really good and pass pro so david montgomery is probably going to get a large amount of the workload but you look at jameer gibbs though he's still going to have a big impact because of what he can do in the passing game and his explosiveness this dude is way more explosive than david montgomery although david montgomery is going to be doing most of the dirty work at running back for detroit pass protection running in between the tackles jameer gibbs isn't really that kind of runner even though he does have the capability of being able to run inside the tackles it's just that with his body type you don't really know if he's going to be able to hold up so for the most part David Montgomery still is going to be getting a good amount of the workload in this Lions offense. But Jameer Gibbs, though, when he does end up being put on the field for Detroit, they're going to put him in some really good situations that's going to create mismatches. Just think about it. If you put Jameer Gibbs at running back on third down, he's coming out wide. How many linebackers are going to be able to cover this guy? Because he is a fantastic route runner for a running back you don't really see running backs that have this kind of route running very often and i know that the nfl is starting to transition to more of the scat back kind of running back where you want a running back who also can be explosive running the football but also can be like your third or fourth best wide receiver when he's on the field that's jamir gibbs and that's a mismatch for linebackers because how many linebackers are good enough to cover Jameer Gibbs in one-on-one situations? Not too many. And then if you line them out wide, let's say if you want to put them in the slot and you want to move Armin Raw outside, if you put them matched up against a defensive back that's playing the slot, either a slot cornerback or you got a safety that's playing in the slot, I don't really think it's too many... Defensive backs in the slot who are going to be able to stop Jameer Gibbs, neither because this guy is so fast, so explosive, and so shifty, it's really hard for defensive coordinators to come up with a game plan to slow this man down. So the Detroit Lions have a chess piece that they can just move around all over the offense you already saw the play that they had last year when they had their right tackle penne sewell coming in motion and catching a critical first down to keep the drive alive for detroit so if their offensive coordinator has this level of creativity giving him a player like jameer gibbs that has this kind of skill set is only going to make the detroit lions offense even harder to stop and even more difficult to game plan for for opposing defensive coordinators like i really loved the detroit lions drafting jameer gibbs like i don't know how many of you guys are thrilled about this but i'm expecting jameer gibbs to have a phenomenal rookie season for the detroit lions now is he going to put up the kind of numbers that Alvin kamara did his rookie season I'm not really sure about that because Devin Montgomery is a really talented running back. I'm pretty sure he's going to get way more carries than Jameer Gibbs. But a lot of Jameer Gibbs damage is going to come from what he's going to do in the passing game. This guy is a home run ready to happen. Anytime he puts his hands on the football, he's a threat to take it to the crib every single time. That's how much of a beast this man is. And I watch pretty much every single game of Alabama football last year in 2022 and I know that Jameer Gibbs without a doubt is going to have a big part in this Detroit Lions offense like people think that you need to be a workhorse RB to be effective in the NFL and that's not true like we've seen plenty of occasions where teams running two running back systems have been successful as a matter of fact like what team right now doesn't have two or three running backs on their roster that they rotate in and out of the lineup There's not too many teams that have an RB1 that just completely gets everything other than Derrick Henry. That may be it. So for Jameer Gibbs going to the Detroit lions with their offensive coordinator and the kind of talent that they have around them. I think this offense is going to be one of the best offenses in the NFL. When Jamison Williams comes back, this offense is going to be really nasty. Like, for everybody who thinks that Detroit is overrated, really look at this team, look at what they did this offseason to improve this roster. There's no way you can tell me that Detroit shouldn't at least be a lot to make it to the playoffs this year. I mean, this offense is going to be super dynamic and explosive this year, and you add a playmaker like Jameer Gibbs at the helm, it only makes this offense even more dangerous. Let's talk about another rookie that... It's turning a lot of heads right now. And Patriots fans are really excited about this guy, DeMario Douglas. Now, what do you New England Patriots fans know about my guy Pop? Y'all, y'all know where I'm from, right? You know I'm from the 904. You know where Pop's from? He's from the 904 too. And he impressed Bill Belichick so much during the Shrine Bowl that there were some reports coming out that said that Bill Belichick, when he went home, he couldn't stop thinking about Pop. This guy had the Mario Douglas on the brain. And when the sixth round of this past year's draft came around, and he was still on the board, New England had to take him. Now, you know that Bill Belichick in New England, they can't draft wide receivers in the first two rounds to save their lives. Okay? But when it comes to finding late-round gems or undrafted gems, Bill Belichick just has a nose for good football players in the later rounds of the draft. You saw... How successful Jacoby Myers was during his tenure with New England. You think about Julian Edelman. Wills Welker. Really good slot receivers that were overlooked going into the draft. And New England comes away with studs. And I think that Demario Douglas is going to be another one of those great late round finds by the New England Patriots. I mean, yeah, he isn't the biggest. He's 5'8", 179 pounds. But... This dude is not easy to bring down. As a matter of fact, I think he was one of the better wide receivers coming out of this past year's draft class when it came to making things happen after the catch. He also is a really solid route runner. He's not an elite route runner. He's not like a Tank Dell or a Jackson Smith Najigba, but he's pretty solid, okay? He also has... Really elite short area quickness. His former coach Hugh Freeze, who was coaching him up at Liberty, he's not at Auburn, actually said that if Demario Douglas was playing for Auburn right now, he would be a legitimate starter for them at this moment going into this season. Not only that, but he also has the ability to return kicks and punts. Yeah, he did have a little bit of a fumbling issue trying to handle those punts and returns at times, but for the most part. If you're New England, you have somebody who can come in, contribute on special teams. He also can have a little bit of a role for you on offense. Even though you did sign Judas Schuster to a pretty big contract or a pretty significant contract, this is somebody who should still be able to find a way to get some time and get some reps this season with that first-team offense during training camp. And I do expect him to have a little bit of a small role on this patriots offense because just smith schuster we don't know if this guy is going to be able to stay healthy so if he goes down i expect pop to be the next man up to fill that slot wide receiver position and then think about this he was very good in third down situations for liberty anytime liberty got put in third down situations they were looking for pop and also he also has a really good knack for being able to generate yards after contact. Even though he's 5'8", 179 pounds, this guy, to me, watching him plays way bigger than his size. And when you look at him, he's not the smallest dude. He's kind of a little bit trunky. So for Bill Bilicek, you can use him in a lot of similar ways like you did with Marcus Jones last year. Marcus Jones was a defensive back, and they were utilizing him all over the field. They were having him on special teams. Sometimes he was playing running back. And with Demario Douglas, you can use him on those gadget plays. You can use him on sweeps. You can use him on reverses. You can use him on bubble screens. Just try to find a way to get the ball to this man in the open field. One thing that New England's offense was severely lacking last year was explosiveness. And they didn't really have a lot of explosive wide receivers. And although they didn't really address that issue in the first couple of rounds of the draft, they ended up doing that later in the draft by not only drafting Demario Douglas, but also bringing in Kayshaun Boutte. So this offense with Kayshaun and Pop just got a little bit better. Now, I don't really know if Boutte is going to stick. I don't know if he's going to live up To some of the hype that Patriots fans are giving him. I got way more confidence in Demario Douglas than I do in Kayshaun Boutte. Because the thing with Demario Douglas is that you don't really have the character issues with him like you do with Kayshaun Boutte. You have a guy who's a hard worker. He comes in. He's one of the first guys in. Last guy's out. He's very coachable. Who frees had nothing but high praise for this guy? This is one of those kind of players that you find in the later rounds of the draft who ends up carving out a pretty solid career. And the Patriots have a really good knack at being able to find late round gems that are able to stick and contribute. And I think DeMario Douglas is going to be that next late round gem that the Patriots are just going to happen to come across. At the Shrine Bowl, this dude was probably the second best wide receiver behind Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers had everybody's attention. Everybody was paying attention to him. But when he wasn't on the field, you were having your eyes on the Mario Pop Douglas. And he isn't the kind of receiver that Zay Flowers is. But they do have a lot of similarities in their game. The difference is that Zay Flowers is more explosive He can get off the line a lot better than Douglas. He also is a better route runner. He also can play both the slot position and outside receiver. With Pop's size at 5'8", 179 pounds, he's pretty much going to be limited to the slot. But the similarities that him and Zay Flowers had was that they're very twitchy. They're very quick, especially in the short, intermediate areas of the field. And I think that's where Pop is going to thrive at for the Patriots with Bill O'Brien at the Hammond Offensive Coordinator. And if he ends up developing his route running a little bit more, I think he can end up being a really good deep threat coming out of the slot for New England. I'm really excited about Pop, man. And I see why a lot of you Patriots fans are excited about Pop too because if there was a team who you could bet $100 on, could find a gem in round six or round seven in the draft, it would be the New England Patriots. You already know their history of finding good slot receivers, and I think Pop could be the next great New England Patriots slot receiver. Bill Belichick, he was really excited about this guy at the Shrine Bowl. He had this guy's attention. He went home thinking about him. I'm very intrigued to see what Demario Douglas does with the New England Patriots this season. This was somebody who is a pretty good slot receiver yeah, he can't play outside due to his size, but for the most part, if his route running improves and he becomes better at creating separation, this guy's going to be a problem for years to come up there in Foxborough. I'm expecting this guy to have a pretty good impact on this Patriots offense this season. This is an offense that doesn't really feature rookies at wide receiver all that often. They draft it taquan thornton out of baylor in the second round of last year and we barely didn't even hear his name called all that much so for new england if they're trying to find a way to get to the postseason and this stack division where you got to go against the buffalo bills the new york jets and the miami dolphins you have to be able to be more explosive on offense that's something that all those three teams have that new england didn't have last season so i expect pop to have a little bit of a role with this offense as a rookie. I'm not expecting him to have a rookie of the year kind of season, but I am expecting him to have somewhere around 20 to 30 catches. I think that him and Mac Jones are going to have a pretty good relationship because they both come from the 904 Duval. They grew up in the Jacksonville area, so I think that 904 connection and chemistry is going to be there. When training camp rolls around, you're probably going to be hearing a lot of pop. Okay, and when the preseason comes, we're gonna get a lot of opportunities to see what Demario Douglas can do because the preseason is normally the time of the year where players like Pop get their opportunities to show what they can do on the field and not on the practice field. If you're a Patriots fan and you're excited about Demario Douglas, you have every right to be because this dude can end up being the next stud wide receiver that the Patriots find in the late rounds. Now, the last thing that I want to talk about is Colorado. Now, we already know that Coach Prime has been making a lot of noise with how Colorado has attacked the transfer portal. They have the number one ranked transfer portal class, according to 247 Sports. They're number two behind Louisville, according to R3. And these boys have over 50 damn transfers. Now, they lost a lot of guys who ended up transferring out. So, of course, they had to hit that transfer portal and put some guys back into the program. But for the most part, I don't think that Deion Sanders in Colorado are going to be as bad as what many people think they will be. Vegas right now has Colorado with their over-under win total being three wins this year, which I think is really disrespectful because Deion Sanders is trying to come in and he's trying to win. He's not trying to rebuild. He's not trying to go through a three- to four-year roster overhaul. like You heard Deion Sanders when he gave that first speech to the team when he first arrived in Boulder. He's coming into this thing to win, and he's trying to win right away. When you look at the Pac-12 last season— There were some really good teams, and there are some really good teams going into this year. We know about USC, Oregon, and Washington. Those three teams are probably going to be everybody's pick to win the Pac-12. We also can't forget about Utah, and maybe the Pac-12 can finally get a team into the college football playoffs. The last time the Pac-12 had a team get into the postseason was Washington a couple years back when they lost to Alabama in the semifinals. Now, although Colorado isn't going to be in that playoff conversation, I definitely think that they're more than capable of being able to make it to a bowl game. Like, people keep saying Colorado is only going to win two or three games. Like, even though winning two or three games wouldn't be bad, because that's improvement from them winning only one game last year. You look at their schedule, and it's not easy. Okay, their first game of the season, they have to play TCU- on the road then you have to play matt rule in nebraska i think that's a winnable game they may not be able to beat tcu but i definitely think they have a good shot of being able to beat nebraska then they got to play colorado state so colorado state should be a victory for colorado so at least you got one win there then you got to play arizona state they're going into their first season also with a new head coach in kenny Dillingham, who is the oc for oregon For the last couple of seasons or for last year at least. He went about the transfer portal the same way Dion has. It's just that he wasn't able to get the kind of talent that Coach Prime has been able to get out of the transfer portal. Then you have Stanford. So Colorado State, Arizona State, Stanford. Right there, I think you already have three wins. Okay. So now you just have to find a way to win three other games. And for those of you guys who really pay attention to the Pac-12, you guys would know that although there are some really talented teams in this conference, the Pac-12 has a tendency late in the season for teams to get really inconsistent. And last year, you have Oregon, who lost to Oregon State, who barely even threw the football in that game. They just found a way to choke that game. You have a lot of teams in this conference that also don't really have any good defenses. I mean, the only two teams that had somewhat solid defenses in the Pac-12 last year were Washington State and Oregon State. And for Colorado, they're stacked at skill position. Wide receiver, cornerback, defensive back, that's not going to be an issue for the buffs going into 2023. I mean that wide receiver, you got Jimmy Horn Jr., Xavier Weaver, you got Willie Gaines who follows Dion from Jackson State, the Boulder. Then you got four-star freshman wide receiver and Adam Hopkins, who is expected to be a big contributor to this offense. On defense at cornerback, you got Kamari McLean, who was the number one ranked cornerback coming out of this past year's recruiting cycle. Travis Hunter, we already know about him, how Deion Sanders was able to flip him from FSU to Jackson State. And he performed pretty good at Jackson State, even though he had some injuries that kind of held him back a little bit. At safety, you have Trevor Woods, who was Colorado's best player on defense last year, at least their best player in the secondary the only question I really have about Colorado this year is going to be, how good are they going to be up front? That's really my main issue with this team. And although they did have a couple of big name offensive linemen that followed their new offensive coordinator who came from Kent State, he also brought a couple of pretty good offensive linemen with them. But you don't really know how it's going to gel. And anytime you just assemble a roster, mainly through the transfer portal, you have to wonder, if all those guys are gonna pan out being good because although a lot of these guys have been highly ranked, they're four stars or they're three stars, I'm pretty sure there's a reason why most of these guys were in the transfer portal to begin with, so you don't really know how many of these players are actually going to work out, but I'm pretty confident that at least half of these players that Colorado acquired in the transfer portal are going to end up making pretty good contributions for Coach Prime in his first season. I think that Deion Sanders is a way better coach than what a lot of people give him credit for. People make it seem like Deion Sanders is a novice and this guy is inexperienced. This dude dominated at Jackson State. Jackson State, according to 247 Sports Team Talent Composite Rankings, last season had a better roster than a handful of Power 5 programs. Hell, they had a better, more talented roster than Kansas State, who won the damn Pac-12, who won the damn Big 12 last season. So, for Colorado, looking at their roster right now, with Shadur at quarterback, I think that not only... Do they have one of the better rosters in the Pac-12 conference? But they also have one of the better quarterbacks in this conference as well. We know about Michael Penix, Caleb Williams, and Bo Nix, and probably Cam Ward. But Shadar Sanders is definitely up there for being one of the better quarterbacks in this conference. And most of the times, when you have a good quarterback, you're going to be in situations to win more games than what you would be if you didn't have a good QB, when you have a good QB, he's going to be able to elevate the players around him, Even if it's not the most ideal situation. Plus for Shadur, people act like this dude wasn't dominating when he was at Jackson state. You got people on Twitter talking about some, well, that was playing at Jackson state. Like he probably ain't going to be able to have the same success in the PAC 12. Like bro, who in the PAC 12 last year just had a lockdown pass defense nobody outside of two programs like how many of you guys really paid attention to the pac-12 like the pac-12 has some of the worst defenses in all of college football so i'm expecting shadur and this colorado offense to be able to make some magic happen year one on the coach prime they also have a really good offensive coordinator now, their defense, we know the secondary should be pretty good because Deion Sanders is a Hall of Fame cornerback. He's one of the best defensive backs that ever played the game of football. So, if anything, the secondary should be a strength. You look at this Colorado team, man, like, I really don't see how they can only win three games. Well, JT, can they beat Oregon? Can they beat USC? Can they beat Utah? I mean, they have a chance. Now, I probably wouldn't be extremely confident that they could be able to beat USC, Oregon, or Utah, but they have a chance. You guys make it seem like all the teams in this conference are juggernauts, and they're not. This conference has been really inconsistent, especially when you get into the later part of the season. That's where a lot of the upsets start to take place in this conference. So for Deion Sanders and company, I'm pretty confident that they're going to be able to win at least three games. You're playing Colorado State. That should be a W. You're playing Arizona State and Stanford, which you should be able to win both of those two games. Now you just got to find three wins elsewhere, which you could beat Nebraska because, like you, Matt Rule is a new head coach. Well, he's not a completely new head coach, but he's coaching for a new program. After getting fired by the Carolina Panthers, he the Panthers, he goes to Nebraska. And he's trying to overhaul and rebuild Nebraska. But it seems like more people are a little bit higher on Nebraska than they are in Colorado. And Nebraska's roster isn't even the greatest. Okay. So they could definitely beat Nebraska. You also could beat Washington State, Oregon State. I mean, Oregon State has a pretty good team, but they're not as dynamic as Colorado is when it comes to their skill position. You definitely have a chance of being able to beat Arizona. So there is a really good chance that Colorado not only wins six games, but they potentially could win seven, maybe eight. I don't get why so many people are more loyal on this program as compared to other teams that have first year head coaches i mean there's no way they should lose to colorado state stanford and arizona state All three of those schools don't really have great rosters even though arizona state has hit the transfer portal pretty heavy i don't really think their team is as good as colorado's if Dion sanders was able to bring the amount of talent that he did to jackson state there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to bring just as good as just as much talent To Colorado. I think you can make an argument and say that right now. Colorado has at least the 4th or 5th best roster in the Pac-12 at this moment. Now they don't have a bunch of 5 and 4 stars such as USC, Washington, and Oregon do. But when it comes to evaluating them amongst the rest of the Pac-12 teams. I think that their roster is better than UCLA's oregon states arizona states arizona washington state and maybe arguably just as good as utah the only thing that i think utah has colorado beat at is up front on the line of scrimmage on the offensive line and the defensive line but outside of that i think colorado is probably the fourth or fifth most talented team in the pac 12 I believe in Coach Prime, okay? Coach Prime, this is somebody who's been around a lot of great coaches. This is somebody who's won at the NFL. He's won at the college level. He knows what it takes to build a winning program. You may not agree with his ideology when it came to handling the transfer portal and kind of forcing a couple of guys out, but one thing about Coach Prime is that this dude is coming to win. He's not coming with the expectation of this being a rebuilding year. Like if Colorado ends up not making it to a bowl game, I'm pretty sure you're going to hear Deion Sanders being really pissed off. He's not going to be coming up to the podium saying, man, this is a rebuilding year. You know, this takes time. Like, no, he's trying to win. And I believe that he's going to be able to win. You guys want to get mad because of how he goes about talking to players. Some people say he's a little bit too cocky, like he's too arrogant. Bruh, this is Deion Sanders. This is prime freaking time, dude. He's always been this way. Players want to play for coach prime. The guys who transferred out might not have liked what Deion Sanders said to him. But at the end of the day, For him to gain this amount of players via the transfer portal shows you that players want to play for Deion Sanders. I mean, he may not be an established coach like Jimbo Fisher or Nick Saban or Brian Kelly or Kirby Smart is, but the name Deion Sanders rings bells. On the recruiting trail, if Alabama's knocking on your door and Nick Saban's knocking at your door, you're saying, okay, this is Nick Saban. But when Coach Prime knocks on your door, you're also saying, hey, this is Deion freaking Sanders. Like, if you're a recruit, Deion Sanders comes to your door, your mom or your dad probably looks out and be like, oh, my God, it's Deion Sanders. Oh, my goodness. I remember you. I remember watching you play. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Some of y'all making it seem like the name Deion Sanders doesn't ring no bells. Like, just because he may not be as recognizable as a head coach, People know the name Coach Prime. People know the name Deion Sanders. Come on, man. Y'all making it seem like this dude is coming in and this dude hasn't proven anything as a head coach. He won at Jackson State. People were doubting him when he went to Jackson State. People thought that all Jackson State did by hiring Deion Sanders was bring more publicity and Deion Sanders actually went at Jackson State and he dominated. So if he was able to dominate At Jackson State, I'm expecting him to be able to come in and at least be able to win six games at Colorado. This dude isn't an unproven head coach. This dude has head coaching experience. Although he may not have head coaching experience coaching at a bigger school. I mean, what all is so much different? I mean, other than the level of competition. And if you're down to Shadir Sanders, you better go watch the tape. It doesn't matter what level of football you play at. If you can throw 40 touchdowns and only six interceptions while completing 70% of your passes, you're a damn good QB. Some of you guys make it seem like Shaduras want to go to Colorado and just forget how to be a good QB. I believe in Coach Prime, man. There's no way I expect Colorado to win only three games. There's definitely a really legitimate chance that colorado goes bowling year one under coach prime and if i had to bet some money on it which i've already had i've already had putting some money down on the over with colorado winning more than three games this year i believe it's going to happen like if you think that deon sanders is just going to come in here and suck it up his first year i think you don't really understand coach prime this dude's coming in here to win They've had only one winning season in the last 18 years. Deion Sanders smells blood. He smells a fan base that's striving for some success. The games are going to be sold out. It's going to be loud. It's going to be really hard to win at Colorado. And some of their tougher games, like against Nebraska, USC, and Oregon State, are all at home now they do have to go on the road against Oregon and TCU and Utah but I don't think that Colorado is going into this season not having a chance at being able to go bowling like this roster I think has enough talent for them to at least win six games this year and some of you guys, I don't really think you guys are really just giving Deion Sanders a fair chance. I, I just think some of you guys are just biased against Deion Sanders. You just don't like the guy. You don't really like his mentality and how he approaches things. And you probably didn't like Deion Sanders as a player. You probably thought that he was too cocky. He was too loud. He was too Hollywood. So if you didn't like Deion Sanders as a player, you're probably not going to like him as a coach. This dude has that old school mentality. He was coached by some of the greatest coaches to ever be around the game of football. This dude has observed what it takes to be a good coach. What it takes to be a successful coach at the college level. This dude isn't a novice. This dude knows what he's doing. I trust Coach Prime. Anything less than six wins, in my opinion, will be a disappointment in my eyes. But this is it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast, man. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. If you guys haven't already, make sure that you guys leave a like, subscribe to the channel. We go live every day at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. Check out the JT Sports Podcast, available on all podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts from. You can find the JT Sports Podcast. Also, follow us on all of our social media platforms. You can find us on Instagram at JT Sports underscore or on Twitter at JT Sports underscore underscore. The NFL with AJL. I appreciate you, man. Shoot, I'm going to open the phone lines up for those of you guys who want to call in. The number is 1434 233 5184. For those of you guys who want to come and call in to the show, we're going to have the phone lines open up for at least 10 to 15 minutes if anybody wants to call in. So if you wanna call in and give your take, maybe you disagree with one of my past segments or maybe there's something that you wanna say about what we talked about on today's show, you're welcome to do so. The phone lines are open at 1-434-233-5184. We wanna give it five minutes for somebody to make a call. And if somebody doesn't wanna call in, then we're just gonna go ahead and end today's show but the phone lines are open for those of you guys who want to come in who want to call in love this tape man give Dion the whole damn bang yeah man it's like i don't understand how people out there really think like this guy Dion sanders it's just going to be an absolute bum of a head coach like this man Dion sanders was one of the most successful NFL players of all time for a reason. He understands the hard work and dedication that it takes to get to the top. Kids want to play for Deion Sanders. Like, yeah, you you see Nick Saban and Kirby Smart in your living room, but if you see Coach Prime in your living room, you kind of look at him in the same way you do Nick Saban and Kirby Smart because you think about the name recognition. You remember what Coach Prime was as a player. The name Deion Sanders rings bells. It rings just as many bells as the name Nick Saban and Kirby Smart does. So the phone lines are open. If you guys wanna go ahead and call in and give your take, the number is on the screen, 1434 233 5185 We wanna give it three more minutes, and if nobody calls in, we're just gonna go ahead and end this live stream for today. And I will see you guys tomorrow Tuesday or what today is Tuesday? I thought it was Monday. I forgot Memorial Day was yesterday. But we're going to be back tomorrow, 5 p.m. Eastern time. We're going to give it a couple more seconds. Anybody who wants to call in, give their take. The number is 1434-233-5184. Call in, give your take, give your thoughts. So it looks like nobody wants to call in. So we're just going to end this live stream for today. I'll see you guys tomorrow back again, 5 p.m. Eastern.